You're listening to People in Profit, a podcast that focuses on elevating humanity through business, sponsored by Conscious Capitalism Arizona. And now, let's hear from our hosts, Jeremy and Sarah. Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to the People in Profit Elevating Humanity Through Business podcast show brought to you by Conscious Capitalism Arizona. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism Movement has 50-plus chapters in the United States, including Arizona, and all over the world. We believe that free enterprise capitalism has served more people and humanity than any other socioeconomic system ever conceived, empowering social cooperation, human progress, and, of course, elevating humanity. Good business is the answer to many of the global issues humankind is facing, and that's what we're going to dive into on this show. Uh, the Arizona chapter is focused on highlighting the amazing businesses and leaders in our state who are pursuing a higher purpose and consciously creating value for all of their stakeholders. If you want to find out more about Conscious Capitalism and the Arizona chapter, please visit ccarizona.org for lots of information. But right now, how about we jump into one of those conversations and let us introduce you to our guest today, Randy Gibb, the Dean of the Colangelo College of Business at Grand Canyon University. Welcome, Randy. Hey, hey. Hello. Happy Monday. Great to be here. <clears throat> we feel the same way. Sure appreciate you giving us your voice today and all the share some insights and all the wonderful things happening on your campus there. And uh, we'd also uh, be remiss if we did not share that you are also on the board of our state chapter of Conscious Capitalism. So we certainly appreciate all of your efforts there and uh, how you can kind of weave the story from the big picture, from the chapter perspective, all the way down to how we're planting seeds with our, our young leaders who are going to be taking over the, the business world here and have been under your tenure of, of six years with the school. So um, I'm just curious to get us going. Uh, what's it like on campus right now? Obviously navigating pandemic and you guys have been making lots of changes on the fly over the last several months, I assume. So how's your own practice of conscious capitalism going on campus? Yeah, great. Yeah, timely question. And that, that's what everybody really wants to know is well, How's the semester going? How are you guys going to teach classes? Uh, yeah, so we spent the summer planning like everybody. And uh, really, it was our leadership of President Mueller did an awesome job bringing people together. We had multiple, these massive collaborative meetings uh, as we, we considered every possible scenario contingency plan. So we started two weeks later than normal to buy some time. Okay. And the first three weeks were online. So there we just bought ourselves five weeks before we actually brought the students to campus. So that did two things. That allowed us to learn from all the other universities that were opening sooner what worked, what didn't work. And it let the temperatures cool down. So then we've pushed everybody outside. So it, it's, it's kind of, it's worked out very well. Um, we, we purchased more shade purchase more outdoor furniture. We're pushing everybody outside. You know, it's beautiful now here. In fact, it's cold here today in Arizona, right? It's freezing. It's like <laughs> 70 degrees for the first time in eight months. <laughs> um, we still welcome it. Right? We love it. And then now we've combined it with a, a blended model where we have some classroom time face-to-face -face in COVID distance classrooms. So it's 40, 50% occupancy is it's, you know, so everybody's safer. Everybody's wearing masks, teachers and students. Then they spend some time in our learning management system doing some online work that complements and supplements the uh, in-class time. 
So we've changed our academic calendar, our, uh, our teaching model slightly. So we, we've done a lot. And uh, so far, so good. Um, we had the typical two weeks in spike, like every university did. And now it's coming back down. Fantastic. Now, does this give you an opportunity? Because I know um, some of the some of the things hanging on the wall there is you are looking to inspire servant leadership, uh, focus on ethics and entrepreneurship. And uh, I know from your faculty list that you've got a lot of business members, uh, I'm sorry, community uh, business members that help uh, with your instruction. So is this a, a real time for, you know, case studies to get brought right into the classroom? Like here's here's where you're going to be challenged as a servant leader. Uh, and here's some of the ways that others in uh, the community are navigating that. Is, is that opening doors for you? Yeah, I, I love where you're going. So we, we do have a super strong, important adjunct force of industry business leaders that come onto campus and teach. Um, you know, it's that right mix of some full-time faculty, some hardcore academic researchers, but uh, the longer I'm here, it's like, boy, these industry professionals coming onto campus saying, okay, I teach revenue generation and I do revenue generation and let me just bring the two together and here's what I'm doing today. <laughs> so with that, right, they're sharing how they had to pivot. They're sharing how they, they're trying to take care of all their employees. I, I love earlier this uh, summer, Right. Bob Chapman from Everybody Matters and, and Barry Waymiller flat out said, well, what would you do for a family member right now? Right. Well, and that's how we have to treat because I love the phrase. Everybody matters. You have to treat your employees like a family member. And um, and so we're seeing a lot of that. Um, we're blessed at, at GCU and like, you know, there are a number of universities that have such an online presence, have such a strong technological foundation and process and systems. And we have faculty that are almost multi-modality professors that, that they can pivot. So we are, everybody is gainfully employed. Uh, so we're, we're, we're continuing to grow as a university. Uh, our Colangelo College of Business has grown significantly just even from last fall. So uh, Nobody is, is you know, we're, we're expanding. We're hiring more faculty, more teachers as we move forward and, uh, and handle this. So That's I, fantastic. Yeah, you know, what uh, sort of the, you know, the recipe for success across, you know, education, across business uh, in 2020 is the ability to pivot, right? It's the ability to be flexible. It's the ability to be creative. It's the ability to, 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 take in information, learn and adjust quickly. And it sounds like, uh, you know, you guys, you know, you got that formula uh, with, you know, keeping people employed uh, and then the growth of the college in general. So instead of, you know, numbers dropping, you know, you're, you've increased. So I don't know. Why do you think you were so ready for this? Again, I think it's because of the foundation of, of how we teach with standardized curriculum, leveraging one learning management system. That we can pull data down for assessment for accreditation purposes. You've got a, an online adult learner taking Management 420 while you have a 21-year-old on-campus learner taking Management 420. So they have the same benchmark assignments. Each instructor brings the curriculum to life in their own unique way, but it's, you know, the what is the same, the how is different. But in the end, they take the same assessments. We can pull down and compare and contrast how those different students are doing. Uh, 
But no, this spring and summer, right, was challenging like everybody because you had those adult learners who may have lost their job or maybe had to take care of another family member. So how do you show grace and still maintain an academic standard of of meeting the bar? Uh, Because we couldn't lower the bar, but we could show more grace, be a little flexible, knowing that people, everybody, right? When we went into lockdown last March, April, everybody had disruption in their lives. Um, So it, it, it was important to help people at the same time help them find success without lowering the bar. So we didn't have to go to pass-fail. We continued our same academic standards. But we have a LOPES-first approach, and that is to be the most accessible and available faculty in the country. So my ask to our faculty is don't lower the bar, but make sure we do everything we can to help them get there, right? That's what we do as teachers. Yeah, I love that. And, and uh, um you know, it's it's already having the structure and the foundation, like you said. So you're able to, uh, you you had less to, you know, less pieces out there to try to wrangle and figure out how to how to pull them in. Uh, and so it sounds like you know you've got the really the best balance between having that structure and support, which probably is one of the things that makes it very easy for industry to kind of uh, act as adjuncts and you know kind of weave in and out so seamlessly. But you know, at the same time, you you allow for that for everyone to bring their individuality, their own experiences, their own you know their own story into the classroom and share it with the students. Yeah, and it's been fun. Like the entrepreneurial faculty, um, they 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 loved it in a sense when COVID hit because they're like, this is what we talk about, right? Is is you have to pivot. You always have to fail fast, fail often, come up with a new plan. You have to diversify. So I know many businesses are doing things that maybe they should have done two years ago, but now they're forced to do it. And then when the economy comes back, for instance, maybe hospitality comes back. I know one company, they were focused on hospitality hiring, and then now they've had to diversify into nursing and senior home caregiving. And then when the hospitality industry comes back, they'll still have that back on their portfolio, but now they've expanded their portfolio because they had to through COVID. And so that's what we want to teach our students is that that you can be flexible, adapt, and innovative, you know, entrepreneurially and intrapreneurially. That's kind of an awkward word to say, but, you know, within your own company, you should be always innovating and adapting. Well, you know, I'm just, you know, it's interesting, too, to think about that particular scenario where you're talking about hospitality and how they, you know, pivot to be able to provide some sort of, you know, care, support not only have they diversified their portfolio, but I'm, it's just interesting to think about how that might also change how they look at hospitality. You know, yeah. hospitality may look and feel a little bit different because we've gotten a lot more personal with people. Like we have, we, you know, we've had to learn to, they've had to look at people from a, a true family and kind of the lowest uh, uh, level, or even might even say the highest level of, you know, care and concern right. for your customer. Right. So yep. that's interesting too. And, and the, the fact that baby boomers are all retiring and, and there's a huge industry there that maybe they were hesitant to tap into, but now it, it's the growth potential is big. Uh, and then meanwhile, then our finance uh, faculty continue to say, listen, despite COVID, the industry sector of finance, insurance risk, they have continued to hire. There, there is no slowing down there at all. So we're trying to send the message to the students that, I get it. This is tough times, but being 21, 22 and entering the market, you're in a very good position. 
so take advantage of, of what's out there. Yeah, and just uh, yeah, I'm sure Jeremy wants to jump in, but I just you know just kind of want to echo in on you know industry finance and risk being you know a, a you know a, a business owner myself and and working you know in industry and and very active in lots of different industry groups. But let me tell you, the risk, the insurance you know, the, the people that are, are, you know, putting bonds out, you know, for construction projects. Yeah. They are all busy on overdrive and basically coming in to tell us uh, your costs are all going to go up, but you know, whatever I can just echo that those people are doing a lot right now. Yep. I did have a question, Sarah. It's one that I've been wanting to ask you for a while, Randy. And that is um, when it comes to uh, explaining GCU's business program, uh, I kind of tie in a question that we commonly get at uh, conscious capitalism events, which is, how does this differ from corporate and social responsibility? Tell me, tell me where conscious capitalism starts and ends, and where where does CSR play a role in that? And my response is typically, well, well, CSR is sort of a small division that's espousing some of the principles on behalf of the corporation, but it's not something that is completely integrated and embedded into the fabric of the company. Um, and when I look at GCU's uh, business program, it's not like you have a class or two on ethics or a class or two on service leadership. Like, again, you have woven this completely into the fabric of the, of the program curriculum. I'm just curious, how did you make that happen? Because I don't see that a lot of the schools. What, what was the genesis and what has been the evolution? Thanks. Great question, Jeremy. And and, and you're right. I, I think corporate responsibility came about kind of, um, all right, we've done real well. We've made all this money and we kind of want to give back, right? And, and great. Um, and, and it's awesome. Totally great. Companies are doing that and philanthropy, right? There's no charity without prosperity and you need to generate revenue. You need to make a profit and then reinvest those profits back. And if companies decide through corporate giving, right, that's how they're going to pay some of their profits forward and reinvest in the community. That's awesome. But to your point is, and I think Scott McIntosh, right, great from the start. We, we want to make sure that, that we don't wait till we've made our, our millions as a company, let's say, right, your business owner. Let, let's from the very beginning have a plan of social responsibility. And, and I think I mean, we can get caught up with semantics, right? I mean, every business does good for society. Every business, I truly think, is a social impact business because they're solving a problem, they're providing a service, and if people are willing to pay them, then that's that's good for society. There's a social contract. Totally agree. Exactly. So, so to your question, how did we? Boy, that's a big question you asked. How did we integrate it into our curriculum? Suzanne Zentner in 2012 introduced me when I was department chair at ASU. So way back in 2012, 2013, she shared this idea with me. And that's how I got connected with Scott and the whole conscious capitalism movement. So then in 2014, when I, I came to GCU, really had a, a blank slate. It, it had just, we had, I had just met Mr. Colangelo. It was 2014. And he and I had the challenge of how do you turn this business college that was kind of stuck in the 80s into 2025 and beyond? How do you lead a business college when there's kind of this negative view of business? How do we motivate and inspire students to be proud in the business college, right? Not like be ashamed, oh, 
I study business. No, it's fine. Be proud to study business. So, and we mix it as a Christian school, right? We want people to go in the community and share their faith and live out their faith by serving others. So it, it kind of all came together of let's let's make some big aspirations. So servant leadership, ethics, entrepreneurism, yes, those are our pillars. But what do we aspire from our students? What do we want them to become? So it started as this high-level vision statement that we hope to be someday. And now six years later, we, we think we're moving there. And so I've, I've got some data to share on that. But it was really about just the whole concept of, yes, business is a force for good. We can elevate people uh, out of poverty, elevate humanity. We can uh, do to a higher purpose. We can help people prosper and communities can rise up. And, and if you spend money on a local business person, then they have money to invest in their own home and then they can buy a home and then they can go to other local vendors and then they're involved with the, the neighborhood and the school system. And then now they're spending their money on, and right? It just snowballs. Absolutely. And that's, and we decided we didn't want one course in consciousness. We decided to sprinkle it over about, I think we're up to 16, 17 courses now, undergrad and grad that have aspects of conscious capitalism integrated throughout. So to your point, it's not just one ethics course or one, I, I think now we need it. I think it, I really am excited to make a conscious capitalism course, but it's been <laughs> six and a half years. So maybe it is time to make one. And there's so much more content. Um, and there's so many documentaries. Nathan Havy's uh, interface, Beyond Zero, really excited to uh, learn more about that. And, and so there's, anyways, I'm off the subject. So, bottom line, we integrate and then we brought in speakers. We our co-curricular and extracurricular activities spoke on conscious capitalism. Back in the day, we had Courtney Klein speak, uh, Oye Waddell of Hustle Phoenix, Brian Moore. It, it just goes on and on of all the speakers we had. And then Canyon Angels and Canyon Challenge. And we, we hosted pitch events. And now these students are talking about conscious capitalism on their own. And, and I hear it. Uh, we have this young student, Eli Miller, who started Santa Calls. Okay, the Santa calls calls, and his vision was over a year ago, pre-COVID, that malls were closing, so little kids can't go to Santa because there's no more Santa Claus malls. Well, now that with COVID, he's even better positioned. So he he, I think he's partnered with like the Bearded Society of Santas to get live <laughs> Santas calling little Johnny and little Susie, and then they'd have that Santa. Here's what I want for Christmas. One on one. Um, but he's already decided from day one, 10% of his proceeds go to Boys and Girls Club, and that's his conscious capitalism approach to his business model. So even at the start, and I didn't, right, I never talked to Eli about this. It's just it's just become part of our culture. So uh, sorry for that long answer, but it, it, it's been a that's six-year journey. For. Yeah, it's, it's been a long journey. We're not there yet, but we're, we're moving the needle. Uh, the fact that people are Talking and having that narrative is just part of who we are now in the Colangelo College of Business. That's so cool. And do they recognize conscious capitalism as sort of the uh, the the place where these concepts come from, or you're just putting in the principles and the language doesn't really matter? No, we don't care either way. That's right. Yeah, no, well, okay. I'm curious. <laughs> Don't no, care. initially we, we we it was conscious capitalism, and then it, it's evolved into other things just around right. I mean, right as we as a board and, and a chapter in conscious cap, right? We don't judge people. We're just like, listen, everybody's on a different journey. 
And some of the best examples, and I love the Firms of Endearment book, and even Raj's new book, The Healing Art, right? He has all these case studies, and everybody's different. Everybody, uh, they focus on employee satisfaction and giving training, and employee retention is amazing, and they don't leave. And that's kind of one company's journey. And another company's journey is their, their philanthropy. You know, think of Adam Goodman, what he does in the community, right? He's the first to say that, you know, furniture is kind of boring. But people join their company not because of their furniture, because of what they do with good threads and uh, donating clothes to foster children and then donating furniture to nonprofit businesses that need it. Right. So it's just different. Everybody's different on a journey. So uh, we're totally we're totally down with just promote the glory of business, celebrate free market capitalism done right. And there's a lot of ways to do it right. I guess that's that's the best way to explain. That's great. And I think that uh, with the Santa call story and, and with the, um, the student uh, Eli Miller or what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That um, wanting to donate profits, 10% of the profits right off the bat to the boys and girls club. I mean, I just wonder how much of that is actually, you know, intuitive and natural and that, we were the other way of doing business, you know, the, you know, it's all about investor return and all that kind of stuff that was taught. Right. So that was taught that was, you know, probably maybe um, it wasn't what was natural and, and isn't, you know, what human instincts, you know, naturally were, especially in a cooperative society, but we were, we were taught that. And we saw a lot of, a lot of success, you know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, a few people make a lot of money over that period of time. And so it seemed to reinforce itself. And yet when you, when you, even before, you know, the, you know, Eli Miller is in, you know, comes into the program and learns about conscious capitalism and is exposed to these ideas, he naturally goes there. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think that a big part of what, you know, we're doing with conscious capitalism and GCU is doing with the, the way that they're teaching business and, and other, um, you know, places are as well, is connecting with what's natural and intuitive yeah. as human beings when we remove, I'll just say, the lie of the separation and the competition and the if you, if you win, I lose mentality that kind of comes from the it's just all about you know profit only or or the only stakeholder that matters are your are your investors so i think that's i think that's pretty cool and i i actually think that a lot of times you you, you feel that from college students and uh, as long as we don't strip away that idealism or that you know natural instinct to want to help each other well then you know we can continue to do business in that way Right. Uh, and I like the, the credos of conscious capitalism is talking about a human social exchange, right? Where we assume, because I like what you were just saying, Sarah, it was such a optimistic view of, of humanity, <laughs> of people through the social interaction and cooperation. And that's truly what, what we can do. Um, so, you know, going back, Jeremy, to your question earlier about how do we integrate it? Well, early on, we had Raj Sasodia speak at GCU back in 2015. So that was like an example of a, a major event that to really, here's the man himself speaking so articulately about how business can be different. And 
And in one of his slides, because it's funny, I've been to enough events where I hear people say, well, those business schools, right? They're teaching it, right? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why are you talking about us? So, and even in one of Raj's slides, he has business schools should address the power of purpose and the wisdom and mechanics of aligning and integrating stakeholder interests. So that was back in 2014, 2015. I don't think he still uses that slide anymore because I, I think he's seen the evolution of really, you know, like throw down with Bobby Flay, throw down with Raj Sisodia, right? Challenge uh-huh. <laughs> business schools um, to, to start talking about the context of business because it is just good business. It's nothing new. It's a new narrative that's needed today for the type of students we have. Because let's face it, business needs to change. Society expects more from business. Government can't do it alone. Government cannot fix everything going on with COVID in the world. We had so many businesses who pivoted, who who stood up and they said, well, we can start making masks, shields, nursing gowns and equipment, gloves, right? I mean, people pivoted and businesses can do it much more quickly than the government. I want to say Simon Sinek talks a lot about that. It's not just um, the problem is that we've got probably a lot of students in the age range that are coming through your classrooms probably saw that shift when names were more um, counts on spreadsheets. And if we needed to make a number for the quarter, it wasn't horrible in the minds of the decision makers to let a thousand people go so that we can make sure we hit our quarterly mark and that um, there's this stigma and perception that not only is uh, they don't see what you just described, that business is actually the place that can be the partner and can and fill the gaps, but even more so, it's doing the harm. It's the one that's putting the people in the face of challenge throughout COVID or throughout any period of time, just in general, as you're, you're an exchangeable commodity and I can get another human in that chair at any time when I need it. Uh, and that narrative of business has been uh, another thing we need to counteract that's been painful. So... Did you say you had some information on that, on the, the views of capitalism? And, oh, and the- yeah, yeah. So, so really, this. So, I, I came here in 2014 again with this challenge of how do you lead a business school in an environment that doesn't seem to have the best view of business, right? And so, we started this effort towards with integrating conscious capitalism, and then in uh, I would say May of 2016, the Harvard Institute of Politics came out with a study. And in the study, in the big Time magazine cover, Questioning Capitalism, was the survey that said that only 19% of millennials identify themselves as capitalists, and only 42% support capitalism. So one of the richest, most successful countries in the world, only 42% of millennials support capitalism. Well, that really intrigued me. I was like, surely we have to be doing something different here at our college of business. Are we, um, or are we part of that 42% is our students? So I really looked at that study and one I found, I think it was 165 question surveys, the Harvard Institute of Politics survey. It was a bear of a survey. I looked at the questions. I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, talk about survey fatigue. And so they're talking about nationalism and politics and 2016 was Four years ago, it was not as bad as now with the election coming up and <laughs> divisiveness in the, in the country, right? So 
I just could imagine what the survey takers, when they hit question number 85 and they asked about patriotism, nationalism, <laughs> socialism, capital, you know, how many isms can you keep track of? Um, there's probably a Ferris Bueller joke in there. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, so the point was, let's do a survey here at Grand Canyon University and see where our College of Business students are. So we kind of based it on that with a couple questions, but it was like 13. It was 13 basic questions, of which the first half were just, who are you? How do you take your classes? What's your age group? And so we asked, do you support capitalism? Uh, do you agree capitalism can bring people out of poverty? That free markets can improve your community? Business profits can be reinvested to help others? And uh, have you ever heard of conscious capitalism? So those are the questions we asked back in 2018. And then we did the survey again about a month ago. So 2020. So we've got a, so we came at 14, at 16, came across the Harvard survey, then 18, we did our own little mini version and then did it again, replicate. Which, which pretty, we're still diving into all the data. So we've got an N of about 1,500. And it's, it's pretty impressive that the ground students here, so really that the group I was really interested in, you know, the typical 20-year-old living on a campus, 72% support capitalism. Mm. Um, 60% uh, support the fact that capitalism can bring people out of poverty. 75% feel free markets can improve our community. And 94% see business profits can be reinvested to help others. So, and those were all uptick from two years ago. So pretty cool data. Yeah, I know it's a goofy little survey, but it, it's fun to just take a temperature check, right? Are we doing what we think we're doing? Are, are we moving in the, in the direction to promote this belief that, that um, right, entrepreneurs and business can create and capture value for society? A couple of thoughts. Uh, I think capitalism just as a term is really the struggle. And we've talked mm -hmm. about this, right? Not just sure chapter, chapter, because 17% declined to answer that question. So, so they didn't want to go with socialism, but they hesitated on capitalism. So, so I mean, that's a big, big chunk to decline to answer. And yet when it comes to free markets can improve our society, we're at 75%. So if you use free markets or profits or, you know, some other term, as opposed to capitalism, mm -hmm. I don't know, what do you guys think of, of those results? <laughs> it's true. It's a marketing issue. We need a new label. Um, that's those numbers are really profound, though, especially compared to the national survey you referenced. I mean, that's significant and encouraging. Right, um, it's very positive and encouraging. But I get all right. You could pick it apart. Confounding variables. Our our population is is not diversified. So we would need to extend extend this to many, many other universities. But, you know, it's just a quick in-house temperature check of where we are. And mm -hmm. I think it would be a fun project, right, to, to take all the Arizona universities, bring in U of A, ASU, NAU, Embry-Riddle. Let's, let's see where everybody is. Um, That's a great idea. But that'd be a lot bigger project. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For another day. That's all right. That's a, a little weekend excursion. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a good project, though. I think, you know, well, let's let's see where it goes. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it is interesting, you know, that, you know, free markets is a, um, a, a comfortable term and, and capitalism is an, an uncomfortable term. 
And, you know, like Jeremy said, yeah, we have a marketing or a branding issue. And, you know, it, it is, it's a kind of a funky subject because the reality is, is that it is capitalism and capitalism works, you know, works great. I mean, obviously no matter, no matter what system you work within or, you know, anything that you're doing, you have people who do it well and you have people who do it poorly. You have people, you know, and the people that are doing it well, generally, um, you know, it, it, it reflects positively back on, you know, whatever system organization that is. And ideally it's, it's beneficial to, you know, to others and the same thing when it's, when it's done poorly. Uh, and so, yes, you know, if we had, you know, Mike Jones, our VP of marketing on here, you'd probably, you know, tell us that we gotta, you know, you always gotta work on your, your brand. And, you know, of course, obviously the, the path of least resistance generally can get to where you want to go quicker, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it is capitalism. And so I struggle a little bit with, uh, oh, it's a branding problem. It's like, well, I guess, or it's an education problem, you know, and yeah. So, and, and, you know, obviously we just want to get where we want to get. So I'm, you know, not necessarily going to say, you know, we've got to, we, you know, we, we've got to fix them and not, you know, fix how we caught what we call ourselves or, you know, you know, capitalism in general, but at the same time, it's like, but it is capitalism. So. Right. And then you've got, and it is interesting that they're still searching for a term because this summer, right. Through COVID so many different articles were written by many, many very smart and eloquent people. And they used, you know, woke capitalism, stakeholder capitalism. I think Larry Fink had accountability and transparent capitalism, uh, conscious, right? There's all these different forms in terms. Again, it doesn't matter, right? It, it's just this movement towards some form of economic system where, where we can just do it right. And you, you, you put out great risk. Profits are made. You generate revenue. Profits are made. And how you make your money matters and how you reinvest those profits is what matters. And um, so many companies are doing it the right way. And, and that's what I can continue to highlight that I love Laura, Laura Roberts. Um, her purpose and uh, stakeholders, she's, her Pantheon Enterprises, Purpose is to innovate responsibly through conscious chemistry to sustain better life for people in our planet. And then her quote on her website is, I look at the earth as one of our stakeholders. Uh, that's pretty cool. Does she need to make money? Yes. Is she making money? I'm assuming so. Uh, but it, I know she spends a lot of time coming up with R&D to make conscious chemistry. That's- exactly. And we really want her making money because we, I mean, me, uh, you know, and I'm, Human, you know, everybody else is on board with me here, but you know, we really want her making money because we, I want conscious chemistry. You know, I pharmaceuticals and and chemical additives and you know processed food. I mean, chemistry is a huge, you know, problem and in and negatively affecting the health of you know of our country of of, of most Western countries. And it's without a flip, it's just gonna you know feed into you know, everybody else as they, as they rise up. And so getting someone who, who's, but chemistry itself is, can be miraculous. I mean, chemistry and all the things that can be done with it when it's, when it's focused on, you know, the, let's just go back to what you were saying, context done in context, um, you know, can, can solve many problems and even undo 
the 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 problem of you know chemistry and you know additives and pesticides and everything that that we're facing so yes you know please we want them making money and we want them making a lot more money than everybody else because we want more of their stuff in the marketplace as <laughs> right. opposed yep. yeah so definitely we want them making money <laughs> yes could not agree more. Yep. If you pull the labels off and you just say, you know, who cares what this person is attributing how they architected their business to represent? Who cares what they called it? Here's the attributes of that business. Do you want to work for that company? Do you want to buy products from that company? Absolutely. Yes. Um, same, you know, the socialism, capitalism discussion, like remove um, the means of production from the conversation. At the end of the day, you still need to create. And so how would you rather those uh, powers that be, if you will, whether it's a, a board of executives or whether it's a government entity, how would you like them to go about making that happen? Well, we want them to care about people and we want them to make things responsibly and be considerate of future generation. Okay, well, that's what we're talking about. If we remove the name from what it is. Let's talk about its attributes and characteristics. And so, uh, yeah, I think we've all convinced ourselves we're on board. Now, uh, now if we could just take it mainstream. Right. Uh, and you... You talk. You guys both just talking just made me think of that whole that beyond zero, right? And what an amazing when you think about carpet tiles and Ray Anderson and his leadership of Interface. So I'm going to plug, put in a cheap plug for Nathan Havy's uh, documentary, right? When you think about carpet tiles and the glue, that that could be have not have a worse product environmentally, um, and the footprint on our environment. And then how they've changed completely to where they're almost, I think 96% of everything they do is eco-friendly. And then their goal is beyond zero. They want to get to the point to where their production of these eco-friendly, uh, no longer glue-used carpet tiles is contributing back to the environment. So beyond zero in a positive manner, just like if you planted a tree, right? Absolutely. They're doing it, right? So if they can do it, maybe more companies can do it. So that it, I'm excited for students to start uh, watching that documentary and bring in this educational aspect of it um, and integrate that kind of thing into our curriculum down the road. And, and get them inspired to recognize that uh, the next you know, generation of innovation needs to be focused on, on things like this. That's where you know, the next set of hopefully, you know, millionaires, billionaires are going to come from because, you know, that's the future of business. That's what we need. That's the the new exciting uh, opportunities that are out there. And they're out there in every single industry. I mean, every single industry has evolved to the point where we're doing a lot of harm uh, in a lot of different ways, but definitely, you know, to the planet itself. And so the big innovations, the big money is going to come from the, the people, the companies, uh, the entrepreneurs who are focused on that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, get them out there. <laughs> Come on, Randy. <laughs> so you would, uh, Sarah, you, uh, did you guys have any other questions? Cause I, I wanted to make sure I, I, I shared a little bit about what we're doing in our neighborhood here at Grand Canyon. That was my that was going to be my next question. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Hey, it was my next question. That was mine. <laughs> oh, fine. 
<laughs> please tell us, Randy, all the good things that are happening on campus. Well, I, it's it's really neat because here's the other part is, is how do we integrate conscious capitalism, right? So we talk about it in classes. We share it. You guys heard my story, I think, a couple of years ago at the Conscious Capitalism Conference where I slid into a back of a classroom and they're talking about the Boeing 737 MAX issue. And all of a sudden, these four students finish with conscious capitalism aspects of Boeing's handling of this case. And I, again, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. I had no idea they were doing this. They didn't know I was coming. I surprised the teacher. I gave her a, a teacher the semester award. So I totally surprised her. So that's when I knew we'd, we'd move the needle with the buy-in from faculty, curriculum, and students. But what's also cool is that, one, that President Mueller's on board. He, he talks conscious capitalism. He's modeled it. He didn't even know he was doing it right before. He didn't know it had a name with really the stakeholder involvement of this university in the West Valley. Um, you know, we could have put it other, other places, but we decided to invest here uh, well over a billion dollars in infrastructure buildings. Uh, we're building three more dorms for next fall. Uh, we, we just, you know, we're going to have 30,000 people, 40,000 people on this campus in West, in West Phoenix, right? So super excited, but we're not going to just do it alone, right? We're not going to just put up a wall and and build this beautiful campus. So the five-point plan has been around, I think, for six years now, maybe seven. And it, it, it's all about job creation. So there used to be maybe 2,000 people coming to the West Valley to come to work. And now we have, um, I think we're up to 13,000 or so. Yeah, 13,000 jobs. So people coming here, spending their money, driving, getting gas, getting lunch. Uh, it, so economic drivers to turn a community around, that's huge. Um, we've started 11 new businesses. So uh, again, I love sharing the story. I was week one in my job, college of business here, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And then I get a call and said, oh, we just bought, we just bought a hotel, figure it out and start a hospitality program. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll get right on there. Um, so, um, what, as a good servant leader, I hired somebody who knew what they were doing and I stayed out of their way. Right. Um, so, right. So the GC hotel, which we renovated, gutted, fixed up, built a restaurant. We took our GC, took over the uh, Maryville golf course. Uh, we have our own coffee company, pizza company, merchandising company, uh, advertising company. So we're creating our own enterprises and we haven't raised tuition in 12 years. And that's part oh, of the wow. whole model. Because to make education affordable or accessible to everyone, it has to be affordable. So uh, we're pretty proud of the fact that here in the West Valley on our ground campus, we're, we have 28% Hispanic students because that is who we are here in the West Valley. And so, and they can attend. There's no special program. Your higher your GPA, the less you pay. That's our tuition model. So we're attracting better and better students who can afford to come here. It's the same price in-state or out-of-state. Making neighborhoods safer, uh, we've invested $2.2 million in the city of Phoenix Police Department to lower crime. Uh, crime is being pushed out of this area. We're eliminating it. Uh, really proud of that. It's becoming a safe neighborhood again. Uh, and then our Habitat for Humanity program. I think it's one of the largest partnerships in the world with the Habitat. Uh, we've, been, we've raised over $3 million, 25,000 volunteer hours, and over 300 homes have been improved. And home values in the zip code have gone up 300%. So, wow. um, 
neighbors. So it's pretty awesome. Every weekend, you've got purple shirted kids. Okay, not during COVID, but before and <laughs> after it will return. Purple shirted kids and faculty staff on the weekends. You know, it's so amazing what 30 people can do to a home in about three hours in terms of painting, um, landscaping, uh, construction projects. So uh, it's just super cool what our project with Habitat has done. And the goal is 800 homes. So 800 homes right here in the West Valley. And then the last one of the five-point plan, you've got jobs, businesses, neighborhoods, safer, safer Habitat. The, the last one is education. Uh, this is all Brian Mueller's leadership and vision is uh, we created a learning lounge. So it, it's so simple, Jeremy and Sarah, that I'm a struggling kid in high school trying to pass geometry and, and you're a college sophomore or junior and, and we just meet. And then I come on campus, there's a little spot here at GCU, or we have students who go to high schools. Uh, we even have a learning lounge, a tutoring area at the Maryville Milwaukee Brewers spring practice training facility uh, they okay. with us and they built. So it's just a place for two people to come together and you start tutoring me on my map. Then you start helping me with my writing. And then you're also almost become a big brother, a big sister to me and giving me advice. And then I come on campus and now maybe I, I can get an A or a B in, in, in pre-calculus or, or math. And maybe I can go to, now I'm starting to thinking about college was within reach. Something special has happened out of that simple relationship of a college student tutoring a high school student. And um, so these numbers are pretty impressive. Uh, we have 4,500 K-12 students uh, with over, with about 60,000 visits uh, since 2013 and 140,000 hours of study. I mean, it's just, those are such big numbers to wrap your head around. No, um, no question. So the number of students being tutored, and then we started a scholarship off that so if you come to the learning lounge and get tutored and you have a certain GPA, you meet the criteria, we've now awarded 360 full tuition scholarships. So for the most part, these are bilingual first-generation students coming to college at GCU on a free ride. Uh, and, and what's so cool is to get a student from Maryville or Ohama High School right next to somebody from Orange County Lutheran Prep School, next to somebody from uh, Minnesota. Uh, public school or a Christian school in, in the Midwest or Portland or Seattle, right? I mean, it, it it's really, there's an amazingly talented students. So sorry for going on, but pretty excited about our fight. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're going on. We want you to keep going on. That is fantastic <laughs> info. You know, as, as you were giving all those examples, the thing that popped to my mind was your earlier statement from Raj talking about the wisdom and mechanics of aligning stakeholder uh, needs and wants. So that's a perfect example of, well, yes, of course, we're in the business of educating, but we also have all this excess capacity just by the nature of us being here. And here's some real rubber to the road uh, elements that we can put out there to both enhance GCU's uh, wants and needs, but also all those other stakeholders at the table. Those are just fantastic living examples of how you can show up at the marketplace. So I, I know uh, Mark, Mark Benioff has been a uh, couple of people, you know, because Salesforce has had their ups and downs. Uh, but he he did have a great quote a couple of years ago about a business cannot be successful in an unsuccessful neighborhood. A business cannot be successful in a failing school system. 
So, uh, and you know, he had that famous quote, are we not all connected? Are we not all one? And I really like that because that's what President Mueller has done with, we're going to succeed here, but everybody's going to succeed with us. And that's what the students see. So they see it in the classroom. They have people come speak. Uh, Richard Sweet spoke about Southwest Airlines and what they did. They never furloughed anybody in 2008 and how their employees are their number one priority. But then our students are also seeing how GCU operates under President Mueller's leadership with our own community stakeholder investment. So that's 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 pretty proud to be part of this team uh, of how they've led that. Well, and it's 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 defining success. I mean, you know, so you know we're going to succeed, but everyone else is going to succeed around us. Well, now we're saying that's what success is. We can only <laughs> succeed when everyone else around us is also succeeding. And that, of course, is the, you know, the, the, the stakeholder orientation model and it's the servant leadership, you know, rising people up. But um, I just, I love it. And I think that's, you know, what Mark Benioff was, I think it's probably what he was trying to say. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. And and definitely, you know, what what you guys are doing there. I, you know, one of, for, for me personally, one of the, I think it was early on with my own experience in, in conscious capitalism and, and, you know, I'm in Tucson. So driving up to Phoenix and going to, to meetings, um, you know, at max six, uh, and there was a presentation by uh, Grand Canyon. And I, I don't remember who it was, but someone within the organization who was talking about your five point plan, you know, and so that had to have been, you know, three or so year, three, four, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but I, I just, I was so struck by, by that plan and who and and what type of organization and GCU you know is because uh, I didn't know until conscious capitalism you right. know introduced me and and told me and I tell everybody to go to GCU you know after that I was like you I'm like you just don't know I mean what these what this institution is doing is just so different you know from anything else that I've that I've heard and and you know within the five point plan and 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 then just hearing you talk about it again now it it the way it makes me feel as I'm sitting here you know listening to you and then talk and then connecting back to one of my first conscious capitalism's experiences I, I feel connected you know so like aren't we all one well right. I feel it, you know, and, and those stories, you know, help remind me that we definitely are. So, uh, you know, you're not going on and on. It's like, I know. Thank you. (laughs) So I think we are getting close on, you know, we were going to stop at 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We told you, we told you. So, you know, now that we're all kind of, at least for me, you know, like, you know, all high on the connectedness, uh, it might be a good time, you know, for any last words or definitely to say, you know, thank you. You know, oh. anything that you wanted to last questions or, you know, things you wanted to ask or I know we, we did want to talk a little bit about what a great guy you are personally and everything that you've done. But, you know, we probably don't oh, have all out of time. That, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anything coming up on campus that people need to know about, Randy? Any uh, guest um, lectures, events, activities? No, we're really kind of trying to keep the bubble uh, on campus. Uh, everything's zoomed, which which is amazing, right? Because we're actually getting guest speakers from all over the country. Our sports business faculty have so many connections in that industry, and and they're just zooming in. So it it's it's really 
this 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 was an adapt that needed to happen, right? Because we get caught up on, oh no, they have to come in person. Well, right. for the safety of our bubble and and trying to keep things as they are. So, um, well, we still have our incubator co-working space Canyon Ventures. That's going great. Robert Vera is leading that effort. We've got about 26, 28 startups in that uh, incubator. They've hired about 90 students or so. Uh, and the goal is to plant them in the West Valley as they accelerate and launch out of there. Uh, so that's that's going great. But one last for, you know, if we have, uh, hopefully we've got some businesses listening out there is I, I just want to put a plug in for the better you can articulate your purpose and truly what you are about as a business, you're going to hire the best talent. You're going to hire amazing young college graduates because these students want value alignment with who they get hired by. So uh, I just can't say that enough that, that these companies today, doesn't matter how big or how small to articulate truly their purpose and share their stakeholder story. I think then if you do that as a company and it's genuine and sincere, you're going to get amazing students because that's what this generation is looking for. And I'll just say, if you really want your purpose to come to life, then you need those students. You need right. you know, that yeah. talent and the people who <laughs> are so driven to be purpose, you know, to, to be in a, uh, a purpose-driven company. So if you want, if you believe your purpose, then, you know, share it. So that you can right. attract the talent to really, you know, have it grow and, you know, flourish and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> Yep. Well, good. Well, no great. Doubt. Very safe advice. Business Radio X, Conscious Capitalism, Arizona Chapter. So I guess maybe just in in closing beyond all the gratitude and and love and, you know, carrying on the, you know, the high of connection from the conversation, um, you know, as Jeremy mentioned, the Conscious Capitalism Arizona chapter, our website, ccarizona.org. We have our, um, our Conscious Business Activation Series. We're meeting every Wednesday, giving business owners a chance to, to you know, to talk about, um, you know, challenges within business and how to do it consciously. Lots of conversations about how to really hone in and and, um, and art, better articulate your purpose. So, uh, you know, Randy, you didn't mean to, but you gave us a plug for our Wednesday chat. So uh, <laughs> check those out on the website. You can register and... Um, and then, you know, look at the, the other things that are coming up, uh, coming out of the Conscious Capitalism Arizona chapter. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for listening to People in Profit, where we showcase the businesses that are elevating humanity through their work right here in Arizona. Learn more about us at ccarizona.org.